Hey everybody, you are listening to Ravel, and it is I, your best buddy Basil. And with me as always, he downloads from the cloud, he puts his lists on tablets, and his face is shining. Where are those horns? It's Christopher Ryan Gates, the doctor. Oh wow. Uh, you're really, these are getting better, man. You're stepping them up. You're no longer just, uh, looking up synonyms for words. Uh, you're actually creative here. A little deep cuts on the theology, the, the biblical translations. We're having fun. We're having fun. Okay, guys. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Dr. Chris, Uh how are you feeling today? Um, I'm, I'm well, you know, uh, peek behind the curtain. It is a little bit later, uh, than we would normally record. Um, I'm over here on the, on the East coast. So, you know, it is like, I mean, it's, we're, it's like almost bedtime here for me. So I'm going to do my very best to drink this, uh, coffee and, uh, stay awake and alert, but I'm, I'm feeling good. Excited about the conversation that we're going to have, uh, tonight. Yeah, this is fun today. Uh, we, well, you mentioned if anybody, if anybody listened to the previous asked and not answered episode, you will recall we got an email uh, from some interesting fellas who have a podcast, and uh, they hinted that they wanted to chat about some connections, connections between Pentecost, Acts two, and Mount Sinai, and we thought. I have never even considered a connection between these things, and so it sounds ripe for discussion. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're excited to learn, excited to discuss, and uh, excited to be here together. Chris, isn't it yeah. all fun? Uh, just to chat with our buddies on the internet. Absolutely. Uh, taking me back to the 90s. That's how it all started in the chat rooms. MSN Messenger. Yeah, right, <laughs> right, right. What it's you know you just sparked in my mind the image of an alternate universe where instead of listening to conversations on podcasts, there's just like a video of an MSN or AOL Messenger chat log, like a visual podcast. Mm-hmm. In day and age of diversity and equity and inclusion. Yeah, uh-huh. that's that. There might be something there, uh, rife for um, AI. Don't, don't know till you try. I, mean, <laughs> I was thinking, you know, AI could just take over the text chat and just create some uh, entertaining and probably confusing conversations, especially regarding theology. But that's for a parallel timeline, folks. That's not for this universe. For this universe. Uh-huh. We have uh, guests, guests today, two guests at the same time. Have we ever done two guests at the same time? I was going to ask before the show if we've ever tried uh, a four-way conversation. It's difficult enough with three people, difficult enough with two people sometimes, uh, <clears throat> to be perfectly honest. Uh, but with four, what are we going to do? I don't know. We'll, we'll muddle it. through. We'll get through it. Pushing the envelope, progressing the sport. That's what we're about here on Ravel, is seeing the human capabilities of podcasting. Four mm-hmm. people, two guests who will survive. Um, <laughs> we're having fun. Okay, 
So uh, today on the show, we have Matt and Jake. They are the co-hosts of Sabbath Lounge. You heard that right. Sabbath Lounge. Probably the coolest name for a podcast that I've heard in quite some time, of course, after Ravel. Uh, <laughs> the Ravel was so cool that somebody else just <laughs> to take it as well. They and did. Yeah. So he changed their logo. Hey, look. Imitation is the sincere form of flattery, but that's for another episode. Today we have Matt and Jake from Sabbath Lamb. They have their own podcast, their own cool name, their own logo. And uh, as they put it, uh, Sabbath Lounge is just a couple of guys leading their families out of Babylon, following Torah, keeping the Sabbath and the feast. Uh, Co-hosts Matt and Jake, how's it going, guys? Hey guys, great! It's great to be here. Yes, yeah, thanks for having us. Uh, this is Jake. Yeah. So there we are go. super excited uh, to be here today, and uh, we just are looking forward to the conversation. Listen closely, folks. Listen closely. There will be a test later on. These fellas, I've been podcasting for a long time. These two fellas have the most extraordinarily similar voices. Um, I'm not totally convinced that they're not, you know, either twins or some sort of AI that has started following Torah. Uh, but in either case, very curious to hear what they have to say. Uh, fellas, why don't you start out? Tell us a little bit about Sabbath Lounge. Well, Sabbath Lounge is just a humble podcast where a couple guys we don't claim to have, uh, you know, the, uh, a corner of on the truth, but uh, we do our best to explore, um, you know, uh, Hebraic roots on uh, on our faith and kind of where things came from. And we uh, we we we're kind of really what it is is as we study things, like we studied the thing we're going to talk about today about uh, Passover. I mean, uh, Shavuot, which is Pentecost, and we studied that out and. Um, we use Sabbath Lounge as kind of a way to, to help us uh, record our study and get it out to others. And it's just kind of an expression of, 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 of the studies and the things that we're working on and trying to work through our own head. Right, yeah. Uh, Matt cool. started this a uh, few years ago and uh, just like he said, uh, recording the things that he was studying and and uh, I moved down here to Texas uh, a couple years ago and started podcasting with him. So we've been kind of picking up the pace and putting out a lot of content lately. So I'm interested uh, because you guys at Sabbath Lounge, obviously there's a, there's a nod to, uh, you know, Judaism there. Uh, but are either one of you, do you have any, uh, you know, the genetic or religious ties to uh, Judaism at all, or was this something that just kind of, as a, as Christians, you kind of uh, recognize the beauty, kind of of the Jewish faith and that sort of thing? Why the why the focus on uh, kind of that Hebraic background as you described it? Well, I think uh, I think the main thing is well, first of all, as far as I know, I don't have any Jewish heritage per se, but, uh, and I don't think Matt does either, uh, but uh, I think part of the, the thing that comes up is the way it's described as a Jewish thing, 
Um, and th- that's one of the things we talk about a lot on the podcast is having this identity of, you know, kind of knowing where we came from and uh, the whole idea of uh, mixing up the idea that they were the Jews in the wilderness when in reality it was 12 tribes. You know what I mean? I think that gets lost a lot of times. Mm, interesting. Yeah, well, Chris, of course, we've been grafted onto the vine. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the the Hebrew roots of Christianity is one of those very interesting things for me. Because, of course, if you've been in the church for any, you know, period of time, you talk a lot about the Jews, the the ancient Hebrews, the tribes. We have, you know, take so many lessons and read the history and it truly is an interesting focal point of the Christian faith. And yet, if there's some sort of special focus on it or, or a setting of context within the culture or some sort of deeper study into the, you know, the, the Hebrew, either the Hebraic language or culture at the time, it's it's almost like something extra or it's treated as uh, a deeper layer to the whole thing. When in reality, it's, it's like the foundation of the very reading of the scriptures, uh, you, you know, understanding uh, ancient Hebrew culture and, and the religion itself and things like that. It's, it's pretty surprising. And I think especially American that churches whether they do it on purpose or not, think they can navigate the Bible and the Christian faith uh, with, you know, the Jewishness being sort of a side dish rather than the plate the very meal is being served on. Yeah, that was kind of, I mean, that was kind of the, the interest there behind my behind my initial question. And I think the fact, too, that as I've even mentioned on the show before, I think a lot of Christians... Uh, and you guys can feel free to comment on this, Matt and Jake, that, uh, you know, uh, believe the Old Testament, you know, is, is the old one, <laughs> the, the old Bible, and then the New Testament's the new Bible, and the Old Testament's the Jewish Bible, and the New Testament's like the Christian Bible, and uh, kind of like Basil was just saying, there's this departure a lot where it, where it kind of feels like, well, that's the old law, that's the old system, that's the old way of doing things, and now... Uh, we're Christians, so we don't need any of that. And one of the things that I find interesting, even in the description of your show, is you guys say that you're, you know, observing the festivals and those sorts of things. So it just kind of, it made me wonder. Um, It's not something that I particularly do um, in my life, though at times I have thought, you know, (laughs) Passover may be uh, better to celebrate than Christmas, maybe, um, you know, uh, in some ways. So I was just kind of curious how you uh, came to that sort of conviction um, about kind of retaining, uh, it sounds like, at least not only the recognition, but some of the practice of, uh, you know, Judaism there. I guess that's probably maybe a little closer at what I was trying to get to. Yeah, and I think for me, a big part of it was, you know, I had done a lot of things, and I'd been a youth minister, and I'd been a deacon in a church for for like, I don't know, 25, 30 years I did all these things, and... I, um, I I just kept studying and I kept looking at the scripture and finally, uh, you know, we, we actually were part, we helped plant a church and 
we got to the end of that and we uh, we stopped that and then we kind of went back to like a home church model and uh, and we started just reading the scripture in Genesis and just going okay what does it say and we tried to okay so that that whole scripture when Jesus talks about uh, using new wine skins I didn't really understand that until mm-hmm. I started being willing to peel off the layers of the of the things that maybe that I thought were true, that I started working on some things, and, and I basically had to have new wineskin to hold the new, the new teaching that I was understanding. Because when I would come across scriptures where it said, when you mentioned the Passover, that's one of the first ones, and it says, do this forever. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, what do you mean forever? And then, yeah. you know, I started looking at my life going, uh, yeah, Passover is a lot more biblical than these other things that I'm that I've done, and uh, and and it just became hard to argue that I should ever take part in Christmas and Easter once I became you know more familiar with 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 these original feasts, and then I started changing how I thought about it because initially I thought, well, these are Jewish feasts. I'm not Jewish, and uh, and then I started reading things like one of the scriptures that I want to bring up this evening is. In Exodus twelve thirty eight, it's it's a mixed multitude that leaves Egypt, and so you know that's important because we all think that it's you know seventy people go in with Joseph, and we think yes, it's all their relatives, but it it was a mixed multitude, and I started realizing that the gospel message was in the Old Testament, and the gospel message was always for all, and it was never about one particular race of people. And, and man, we like to put things in categories and put, you know, we, we just like to mm-hmm. classify things. And so we do. And, and um, I don't know, it just kind of broke down how I thought about things. And, and, I, and I had a lot of questions as a kid, you know, for instance, I always wondered, especially like you start with Cain and Abel. I'm like, okay, Cain gets a mark and, and he's sent to a city. I'm like, you know, he, he's basically sent to like a sanctuary city because he he had, he committed not premeditated murder, but we would call it manslaughter. Manslaughter is and, the way we look at it. And so I always wondered, you know, there's a city. Wait a minute. There's just there's just so many missing things that I didn't mm-hmm. understand, and I didn't even understand. Well, how does how does anyone get in trouble for the sacrifice if there weren't rules already in place? And, and so that made me start thinking, and I just kept researching it, and I finally came to the conclusion that, that you know, Adam, Adam was supposed to be, so, so in, in the New Testament, there's a scripture that talks about we're supposed to be a royal priesthood. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, that always really resonated with me. And the more I studied, I came to the conclusion that Adam was supposed to be a priest to the people around him, and mm-hmm. uh, he, didn't, he didn't do that so well. And um, so anyway, that, that it kind of started with us going back to the roots. I don't know if that answered the question. I don't want to monopolize the time either if Jake has something. Well, yeah. It's like, yeah go ahead. So, yeah, like for me, um, you know, it just I started seeing some. I'd grown up in the church and everything, and, and I, I really enjoyed going and listening to the arguments against biblical teaching because uh, I think I had a strong foundation wherein, you know, I was warned by my parents, people will come along and try to tell you this isn't true. Um, And so I wasn't afraid to look at other things without, 
you know, losing the foundation. Um, and so I kind of would go after ideas that weren't necessarily uh, congruent, I guess. And then so it made me really start to like hate contradiction. So when I would see contradiction in scripture, it would really, I would drive to try to find why it's contradicting and try, try to fix that contradiction because it's, we would say it's a problem with our mindset, not a problem with the scripture itself, right? Mm, yeah. And so, good, good clarification. Glad you went there. <laughs> right. And so, um, when I started seeing things, I think the first thing that that I started seeing was, uh, we. My wife was like, ah, "I think we should be keeping the Sabbath." I mean, and I'm like, "Okay, it's one of the Ten Commandments. I can I can buy into that." Uh, I couldn't argue against it really, um, and I was like, "Okay, you know, we'll keep the Sabbath," and. You know, with that keeping the Sabbath, uh, I was able, you know, we would spend our time reading the Bible then, and we would just read and read. And uh, one of the things that really turned the way I thought about things was First John 3, 4, where it says that sin is transgression of the law. And so, and then backed up by Paul saying, I wouldn't have known sin but by the law. And it's uh, through the law comes the knowledge of sin. And so... Uh, we started looking at it like, well, okay, if the law tells us what sin is, then maybe we should stop sinning and start doing what the law is telling us to do. And so that's kind of how we started along this this path. And, and yeah, I think and I think it's cool. important to say too, you know, that yes, we're talking about that, but we fully believe that we are saved by Jesus' shed blood on the cross, and and we're not saved by our works. You know that the the, the text is clear that that you can't earn your salvation, and and we're not trying to say that we are. Yeah, it's um, a it's a um, uh, we 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 try to keep Torah because uh, because we're saved, not to be saved. Yeah, I wonder if you, as you guys are talking about this, and I don't want to, you can just answer with a quick yes or no, but uh, as you guys engage much with uh, N.T. Wright's new perspective on Paul, uh, any of that stuff, have you looked into that? Um, I'm not familiar with what you're saying. I yeah, don't know. I don't know. I, I, I've seen some okay. people try to say he's, you know, I've seen a lot of things about Paul, but I don't know which one that one is. Yeah, yeah, no worries, no worries, that's okay. So, but but yeah, it, go ahead. Uh, crits. I don't know what that is. <laughs> it's a it's a new it's a new way of uh, interpreting Paul because it, it's it's <laughs> a lot of people don't actually know what it is. I don't know if N.T. Wright actually knows what it is, um, but it's it's a it's a new perspective on Paul, uh, and and it's you know relatively new within the last I don't know, twenty thirty years or something like that. Relatively new, and it just um, kind of is is saying that Paul probably wasn't, uh, when he was talking about justification, uh, was not necessarily doing away with uh, the law altogether, as a lot of Christians uh, read Paul. They believe that he's just kind of uh, taking the law almost and, and setting it aside. Uh, and it's a new way of kind of reading Paul, where, you know, he's saying that that's not necessarily the case. Uh, it's maybe not that we should just uh, completely uh, forget about the law, even though it was fulfilled in Christ, um, and kind of, I think he leans more towards an idea uh, when it comes uh, to the practicality of it, like you described, that uh, in the keeping of the law, it's not keeping the law 
uh, to be saved, but keeping the law because you're saved. So when you were talking about that, I was thinking, oh, that kind of sounds like uh, kind of new perspective stuff. But, um, I, you know, we can do a whole episode on that one yeah. time, Basil. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's a lot there. There's a lot of people writing and talking about it. So um, anyway, I just kind of was wondering where you guys were at on that. Right. I think uh, uh, to break it down real quick would be that um, we would think that uh, Paul isn't speaking against the law. He's putting the law in its rightful place, essentially. Yeah, sure. Okay. Sounds like a blast. I mean, well... (laughs) You know, and you you mentioned, Chris, the the idea that like Old Testament Torah, Hebraic scriptures, uh, New Testament Christian, Greek, Arabic, whatever it is. I don't know. I'm not the PhD here. Uh, And that the New Testament, you know, the Christian Bible, Old Testament, the Jewish Bible, uh, which is funny maybe not haha funny but is interesting to me uh because it's you know the whole new testament still happens in the context of jewish culture mm-hmm. uh, you know jewish history jewish uh authors authors jewish characters so yeah uh, th- that distinction is almost i mean whether whether it's correct or not is different than if it matters or not um, but let's get into the topic of today's conversation, the main one. You guys had uh, contacted us in regards to the Pentecost episode, which you mentioned right before. You, you are, It's fresh in your mind. You just listened to it again today. Thank you very much um, for, for your patronage. You deserve a reward in heaven. <laughs> yes. yes well, it was great. We enjoyed it. Get it. Um, you're welcome to tell us why you enjoyed it, but I'm also curious, uh, what, uh, where are we going with it? What are we talking about? You mentioned a, a connection with Acts 2 and uh, Mount Sinai. Why don't, why don't you guys kind of start leading us through that? And Chris and I will quietly and patiently learn and raise our hands when we have questions. Sure. Mm-hmm. So so uh, what I did is I just tagged some scriptures in this Bible. And, uh, and so the first one I tagged was uh, Exodus 12, 6. And so um, in this translation that I'm reading from, I don't know if it matters, but this is the new, it's a new American standard. And uh, so, and it says, and you shall keep it into the 14th day of the same month and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel. And so... They're talking about killing the the Passover lamb, and you've got that word congregation. And you know, I grew up in a denomination that said we were the one true church, founded in Acts two, and this was preached to me my whole life. And uh, you know, we were kind of part of that group that they, our church, the you know, the Church of Christ tended to think it was the you know the true people who were really into that particular denomination were kind of known to say, you know, we're the only ones saved kind of thing. <laughs> and uh, they kind of really camped out on that. And, um, but, but they never brought up, and I never saw that, uh, that they called themselves a congregation back uh, when they left Egypt. So I thought that was interesting. And, and so if you go, you can go, go look up that word in, uh, in the Blue Letter Bible. What is it again, Jake? Kahal. Kahal. So, and uh, it's like assembly, congregation, 
it's uh, H6950. Yeah, and so, you know, we, uh, you know, so that, that's something you can go back and look up and see, but that kind of stood out to me. And then as you go through, you know, and then in Exodus 12:37, it mentions that they're a mixed multitude. And so we take that to mean, you know, Jake, what, is a, what do we take that to mean, a mixed multitude? So it, it wasn't just the Jews coming out. It was a whole 12 different tribes, 12 families. But they also had uh, some of the Egyptians that were around were like, um, hey, uh, the, all these plagues are happening, but not to those guys. Let's, let's see what they're doing. And so they would uh, join in. And they left Egypt along with the Israelites. Yeah. So our kind of theory is uh, when you uh, when you're looking at the uh, the Passover moment uh, and all these plagues have happened, you know, the folks in Egypt, they're looking over at these Hebrews, going, "Hey, uh, what are y'all doing over there?" You know, especially towards the end of this, and they had to be curious. And um, uh, you know, there were pe- there were Egyptians that leave with them that were you know, but they they got done. Uh, with these plagues at the end, and and so they're they're in that. We you know we don't know exactly how it went down. That is somewhat speculation, but but we do know the scripture says it's a mixed multitude. So it's it's a mixture of people, and so that tells me that if it's a mixed mixed multitude, it's not too far of a logic leap to go. They spoke different languages, and so I don't know if you've ever considered that possibility, but that they that they left Egypt and they didn't all speak Hebrew. Which, okay. I, which I believe when you, when you see Moses and the dialogue, that's, that's probably all Hebrew. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, there are little, uh, other, other little things along the way that I wanted to point out in, in Exodus 14, 13. Uh, read that, Jake. But Moses said to the people, Do not fear, stand by, and see the salvation of Yahweh, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you will never see them again forever. And so when you look up this word, salvation of the Lord, and so go look it up in Strong's, it's H3443. And when you look it up, it's the word Yeshua. And so, you know, it's kind of interesting. You know, I, I didn't realize that, it didn't really, in my in my traditional uh, normie kind of upbringing, I didn't, didn't ever know that Yeshua was was part of this process from the beginning. And, uh, and I believe um, you can make a pretty strong argument that that is uh, Jesus that pointing, he's yeah, talking about to there. Yeah, Messiah. He's like, because uh, his name will be Salvation, essentially. So, oh, and then you scroll over on to Exodus 19. I realize we're kind of scrolling through this story. but Yeah, but again, we're starting in Passover, and we're yeah. trying to get to the point where we're going to uh, Feast of Weeks or Shavuot. Yeah, so explain, so explain this time period, Jake, uh, Passover to uh, what people, what, what they called Pentecost, we call Shavuot, Feast of Weeks, all the same event. Right, and you guys did a good job of talking about it on your, on your podcast about, so you'd have uh, Passover, which goes right into Unleavened Bread, and then uh, Feast of Weeks is the 50 days after that. And so, and so timeline-wise, when we come to Mount Sinai, we're about day 50 Right, it talks about uh, being, I think, in the third month, something like that, So, which is typically when Shavuot happens. Yeah, in 19.1, it says in the third month. Right. Um, 
So, and so they come to this mountain, and, and so I think that there's, so, so we believe that there are patterns in Scripture, and that, you know, mankind is in essence, unfortunately, we are pretty much the same as these guys were in the desert. Uh, we, we, we still have a lot of the same issues and the same flaws, and, and that what you see here in the Mount Sinai is a direct parallel to the, so it's a church, in essence, it's the first church where the church is birthed, and so the original intention was that, um, so hang on, I'll get to that. So, um, so you know, so, so, you see, so you see some patterns, and one of the things you see is the multilingual event, there's fire, um, and so there's several places in Scripture where you see some hints to this, and I believe that, um, that, that, that a lot of this is, is cyclical in nature. And then if you go on to 2019, so this is, this is where it is. So um, in 2019, this is also a very pivotal scripture for me is, you know, when they're on the mountain, God wanted to have a conversation with everybody. And so in essence, so there's, there's a lot of stuff to unpack in this. And one of the ideas is that um, a, a lot of the Bible is written in wedding language. And so a lot of, you can look at a lot of things from the beginning to the end from Genesis to Revelation, and you can look at it through a Hebraic wedding model. And, and God is trying to marry his people. I don't know if you've ever, ever heard oh, yeah. that. So, mm-hmm. And so um, there was a wedding basically at the Garden of Eden, and then, and then Mount Sinai is a wedding where the people exchange vows, and they say, yes, we're going to do this. And his original intention was to have everybody have this conversation, and he was going to talk to all the people but in 2019, you see what happens. They come to Moses and they say to Moses, speak to us uh, yourself and we will listen. But don't let God speak to us lest we die. And so mm. they, they, they rejected that relationship that God wanted to have with them. And, you know, they weren't, they weren't ready for it. They, they, just, they just rejected him in a lot of ways. And, and then, you know, we see the golden calf not long after this. So there's definitely some issues in camp. And, uh, but, but that's one of the first ones where you, where you see that uh, they rejected this idea of the priesthood. Right. Yeah, so it's, it's interesting, this rejection you're talking about. When I hear, lest we die, it sounds like some serious fear. Right. <laughs> some fear of what might happen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think they were. They were afraid, and they didn't understand. But, but, uh, and and I believe God accepts them where they are. And I think that's the way He does. Just like when He restores Peter back, and He, you know, He says, "Do you agape me?" And He changes those those Greek forms of love there, and finally gets to the love that Peter agrees to. And and God does that over and over and over, where He He calls us to this high thing, and sometimes we can't do it, and so He. He kind of brings down and gets on our level and goes, okay. Yeah, well, sometimes we're not ready for it. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, but... And th- so I think importantly is this whole time from uh, chapter 19 through like 24, it's all, it's a lot of pages, but it's all this same amount, the same portion of time This in the third month. And Moses is going up and down, like you guys said, <laughs> talked about he's going up and down and up and down the 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 mountain okay so several times yeah 
Right. And, and then in uh, 2021, so out to the side, I, I wrote some notes on this one, but it just says, so the people stood at a distance while Moses approached the thick cloud where God was. And I wrote here that God was near, the people were far. And so the people chose to be far away. Uh, they, they could have gone up and been a part of this. And, and I mean, I get it. You know, you're right. They were afraid. And it, could I say yeah. that you and I would be different? I, I wish that I could, but, you know, I'd probably do the same thing they did. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. And there's some interesting parallels with what we see happen with humanity. Now, of course, you, you know, you mentioned the the kind of cyclical nature, and that's, um I mean, a really big part of rabbinical traditions and the and Jewish history and scripture, you know, these cycles that happen. And I think one of these, um, and a lot of that, you know, is helpful when uh, sort of reconciling Old Testament and New Testament and things like that and plays largely into uh, identifying prophecy about Jesus, about the Messiah, and the details uh, of his, you know, his work, that his, his good, good work. Uh, but along with those cycles, you know, you think about man's, uh, it's almost like a need, you can almost call it a need, but uh, comfort with having an uh, intercessor may, might be one way to do it, a representative, um, you know, a, a leader. Leadership is obviously one part of it. Uh, but when dealing with powerful forces or powerful, uh, whether it be God or gods, depending on the situation, uh, or even, you know, powerful men, other powerful men. I mean, you, you, you talk about the multitudes that had just come out of Egypt where if you were going to come face to face with Pharaoh in any meaningful way, it probably means that you were going to die or something yeah. horrible was going to happen. Very rarely as someone in their position, were you going to come face to face with Pharaoh who claims to be God uh, and something good is going to happen. So it seems pretty almost as culturally relevant that they would want or desire or beg for someone else to intercede with the power structure for them. Uh, and I think well, you, let me, I'll hand it well, right back to you, but you see this, like, uh, I mean, right at the beginning, um, you went <laughs> after Adam and Eve sin, uh, you know, God comes down and talks to the one who's supposed to be in charge and he starts talking to adam and adam you know points to his wife and said she'll she'll explain for us yes. uh you know and he Dr. and he what's going on here he chooses you know uh to have someone else uh represent him um yeah, and again it's so out of fear, you know it's yeah out of this fear of what's what's going to happen yeah so it's partly the part of the fall it's part of the uh, the shame complex that comes with the imperfection of man. And uh, on one hand, maybe even knowing what you deserve might be coming when you come face to face with, you know, power. Um, 
And I think there's an interesting parallel there when it comes to, I mean, even our form of democracy. I mean, I don't need to get into it, but technology <laughs> now basically negates the need for the original purpose of having like a Senate or representatives from your state or something. That was because, yeah, look, we all we all can't travel a thousand miles and and go vote on something. So we're going to vote this guy. This guy will represent us and blah, blah, blah. And then we'll do it that way. And I'll keep farming or whatever. Uh, but with technology now, there's really no nobody needs to get on a horse and ride to Washington, D.C. to make any decisions. So in theory, we could be running the country in a in a way that doesn't require an intercessor between us and and you know the lawmakers of our country however we love it we love it so so much having somebody being the go-between between uh us and our desires and power in this case being the government um but, uh, you know, if we're talking about this, the cycles and the repeated things we see in the Old Testament, the New and the Now Testament, as many <laughs> of the churches who try to reflect Acts like to call today. Um, I just think it's fascinating that it's it's so built into not only our humanity, but our relationship with God as well over and over and over. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That was well put. I want to, uh, you got to take us back to the uh, connection here, though. Yeah, um, yeah. Between, uh, you know, between Acts. Pentecost. Yep. Uh, yeah, Acts 2 and, uh, yep. and Sinai. And I'll just kind of throw out there, too, and I'm sure you guys are, are you know, familiar uh, with the with the idea of uh, biblical typology, you know, but all of these... Uh, everything you know in in the Old Testament is uh, a shadow pointing towards uh, the ultimate reality uh, which we see in Christ mm -hmm. um, and even you know our Christian um, experience if you will you know our relationship with God through Christ and that the whole Exodus story is uh, this sort of drama played out by the people of Israel uh, and of kind of every one of our spiritual journeys where you start off, you know, enslaved in captivity, uh, they're in captivity to Egypt, we are in captivity to sin, um, and the deliverer comes, you know, uh, Moses, a type of Christ, uh, you know, he is a picture, a representative of Christ, a person who ends up standing in the gap and mediating between God and men uh, repeatedly comes in, uh, and he delivers the people from bondage, leads them into uh, the wilderness, where I'm teaching through John at my church right now, and we just got done with the section where Jesus shows up at the Feast of Tabernacles. And Tabernacles, you know, is is a remembrance of the time spent in the wilderness, which is not uh, your true home. That's our time here on earth, is this wandering through the wilderness while we are moving towards the promised land. And all of these things are types pointing to the greater reality and while i have taught about that lots and then you even get to you know joshua which is yeshua it's the same name yeah uh who's the one who actually leads the people into the promised land he's the one who delivers the people uh into heaven as it were um so all of these things are there and i've seen all of these and noticed all of these before but um 
you know, besides the besides the fire, you know, um, and and God coming down uh, there to meet with the people, uh, those kind of obvious sorts of uh, you know corollaries. I was kind of like, what else is there? What am I missing? Because I got to add this to my to my repertoire here. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, help us out with that. Yeah, uh, with the the typology, the significance that's going on there. So so the patterns that I see is there there you know the there are these mountaintop moments, if you will. There's clouds. There's fire. There's the voice of God. There's prof- prophecy spoken. There's covenant. The spirit descent to mankind, and it's a multilingual event. So, so I believe that this is a, Sinai is a multilingual event. Possibly, you know, I believe tongues were spoken. Uh, I'm not mm-hmm. sure. Um, I'm not I sure. Here, be, be, I, I was going to ask about the languages thing. It seemed like you made made a big point, but I yeah, wasn't yeah. catching so, it. I'm catching it now. S- okay. Since since it's a, a mixed multitude, you know, I think we all make this assumption that they're all Jewish, right? And they all spoke Hebrew, but I think that's a big assumption, and because it tells us it's a mixed multitude, and so they weren't all necessarily of the of the lineage of the bloodline lineage and I, and I think that's one of the things I had to unpack in my mind and, and for instance in the bloodline of Jesus you have Rahab the harlot is one that stands out she she wasn't part of the bloodline lineage but she comes into the fold and you know so so part of this is you know it's not about a bloodline lineage it's about the people who did what he asked them to do so but but going on through it so in 2320, um, some, this is where I think you see some more parallels. He says, Behold, I'm going to send an angel before you to guard along the way to bring you to the place which I've prepared. So, you know, I wrote next to this, I wrote helper. So, you know, that the, the verbiage of this sounds a lot like having the spirit along with you. And there, there's another instance where we'll see the spirit. But And then he goes on to 21 where he says, um, be on guard before him and obey his voice. Do not be rebellious towards him, for he will not pardon your transgressions, since my name is in him. And so I just wrote sin out there. So there's this reference of forgiving of sins. And then, and then um, something that you see in Acts, you see a lot of people being healed. And, uh, and so there is reference here that, uh, that there's not going to be sickness uh, I think where we're going with the 70 is that, that the, the 70 nations. Yeah, se- that is, so that, that's right. So the, that's what it was. So in the, uh, in the, like the table of nations, if you will. So anytime in, in Hebrew thinking, if you see 70, you're talking about everybody, like the world. And so that's a representation of, uh, of this mixed multitude of the 70. And so that's kind of a marker of, de- you know, something that kind of, tells you that you're talking about uh, multiple people here. Multiple. About this event being for the whole world, not yeah. just these people. And, and then, you know, the other parallel, of course, is the 40 days, 40 nights. And so, you know, this, this to me, it, it, it happens at the same time as, you know, it's the same event in, on the calendar. Um, as is what you see in, in, in Acts 2. So, and then in Numbers, Numbers is another example. Numbers 11.25 says, Yahweh came down in a cloud and spoke unto him and took of the spirit that was upon him, him being Moses, and gave it into the 70 elders. And it came to pass that when the spirit rested upon them, they prophesied and did not cease. 
And so that's a, an example of, you know, because I was like... It's exactly the, Acts 2 when yeah. the Spirit comes upon them and they start speaking. Yeah, yeah. And so all my life I've been told that you, you only have Spirit-filled people in the New Testament. And this to me was like, wait a minute, <laughs> that's not true. Um, there were, you know, there were Spirit-filled people here and it happened with, you know, this, um, you know, they, um, it, not only were they Spirit-filled, but they gave prophecy. Yeah, I not to uh, the the reference to the hundred and twenty um, is in Acts one. Um, okay. Yeah. So I, just so yeah, to no, add no, that you know you're you're right about but yeah, you're right about the hundred and twenty. I I that I had written down that the seventy represents the seventy nations, and yeah. um, so I was just on the wrong yeah, track. Yeah. And, and then when if you break down the word Shavuot to its pieces. Um, so you can break down it into Hebrew letters. And so um, the, the Hebrew letters on this, uh, Jake, read, you do a better job of explaining that than I will. Okay, so it's uh, Shin, Beit, Ein, Yud, Mem is the Hebrew letters that make that up. Um, shin is to press, so it's this idea of completeness. Um, you're not complete without being pressed. It's the olive oil, it's the... You have to crush the oil to be to or to crush the olive to get the oil out, just like we were crushed in order to be have pureness come out. Um, and then the bait is talking about family or house, so it's talking about this congregation, um, which is this mixed multitude that we're talking about. Ein is watch or know, so it's uh, the multitude will be watching, and all will know him. Uh, and then the yud is worship, so uh, the multitude will worship. Uh, I mean, mem is blood, the blood paid for the multitude. So, um, so that's kind of what the, the Hebrew of Shavuot is kind of the message it's kind of trying to portray there. Hmm. I love it. What is the, what kind of a takeaway? What, what kind of a, uh, Someone, I don't know, I'm, I'm trying to think of the perspective to, to ask this question from. And perhaps there's multiple questions instead of one genius question. Um, so maybe we can discuss that. Uh, with these connections, you know, it's it, growing up in the church like I did, especially, you know, I came from sort of a charismatic uh, background, which, uh, in which, you know, the kind of Hebrew roots of Christianity were, were very much appreciated. Uh, and I never really understood, you know, uh, whether within or without the church, people, you know, not quite appreciating the, uh, the Hebrew lineage, the spiritual ancestry that is even, even, can you even imagine the American evangelical church? Um, and uh, the repetition or the reemergence of Old Testament themes, uh, Old Testament promises, things like this, uh, is is nowhere even approaching a, a sort of new idea uh, for myself. It does not make it any less impactful, of course. Um, but for someone who might just now be interacting with the 
the themes that we're talking about here and the the uh, I don't know the the long lineage of these kinds of patterns. Uh, what should they be keeping in mind as far as uh, the importance of this? Yeah, one of the things that I think, you know, we talk about the patterns a lot, and I wanted to go back to something. I talked about the 70, and I should have been looking at these notes. What In Genesis 10 and 11, you know, you've got the Tower of Babel, and you see these 70 nations because there's 70 languages. And so that's that's kind of where that idea of 70 came from. That that's So when you, I guess you would say that's your first mention of it is uh, the 70 concept, um, that's that's where I got that from, if that makes sense, because I don't know that I explained that as clearly probably sure. as I could. But uh, yeah, yeah, as yeah. far as how this uh, is uh, kind of an important thing to start seeing these patterns, it's, it's that the gospel always was, and especially the feast days are, uh, they're, full of the gospel. They are the gospel, the feast days. Um, and, uh, and for those who might need a just a quick review, the feast days, when you talk oh, about yeah, feast sorry. days, you're talking about Old Testament, Torah, the, the, God, the feasts of God. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So it would be Passover, Unleavened Bread, uh, Feast of Weeks, uh, Day of Trumpets, Day of Atonement, and then Feast of Tabernacles. Yeah, not necessarily super common, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, American evangelical holidays to, right. to consider. Right, right, for sure, for sure. Well, and 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 so I think it's interesting too as you as you go on. So I, I I'm not afraid of the Book of Jubilees. I don't know how you feel about it. Um, do I consider it in the canon of Scripture? No. Um, but it's interesting. I'll, I'll put it that way. So Jubilees and Enoch, and um, am I going to quote them and say it's this way because it says it? No, I'm not going to hang my hat on that. And um, but it's interesting that, that it mentions um, Shavuot in, in a couple of different places. And so in Jubilees um, 2:19, and, and kind of uh, in in there, it talks about keeping the Sabbath and um, it talks about um, about all the nations keeping Sabbath, and then it goes on to talk about in in in, um, in six about Noah, and um, so he talked about they celebrate the festival of weeks. So so this came from, granted this is Jubilees. Jubilees six seventeen refers to Noah keeping the feast of weeks, and so you know I just started seeing these things where where I always thought. Um, that that this these these things were only observed and they kind of start with Moses, but then if you think about it, uh, you know why is the sun and moon and the stars? Why were they made? What does the Bible say? What does it give as the reason? It's uh, to keep to keep times in in the uh, days and and um, the holy days. Right. Yeah. Right. And so you know, and it's it's a precedence that's been there from the beginning of time that he set up, and and I believe that you can look at um, all of the prophecies of, of Jesus and his coming all through the lens of the feast. And so basically, there's a gospel story that can be told in the feast, and it does. It all points to Jesus, and and the timelines of things. You know, I believe the second coming is going to line up perfectly with. Um, with our fall feast 
that are coming up and uh, you know because that's a, a wedding feast and he's coming back to marry his his bride and um, and and so um, we're not claiming that's happening this year <laughs> no 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 we're not we're not making any claims but um, but but you know that that's that's part of what got us into this is we just realized there was such a deep meaning to all of these things but but I wanted to go on and show you a couple more things in, in Jubilee it talks about Abraham um, and um, and it says that uh, Jubilees 44.4, he celebrated the harvest festival, the fruits of grain with the old grain in the land of Canaan. Um, since there was not even a handful of seed in the land, since famine affected the animals, the cattle, the birds of mankind as well. And on the 16th day, the Lord appeared to him and said, Jacob. So there's some references there. There's also references with Samson. So, um, so with Samson... In Judges 19, it says, Manoah took a young goat and a grain offering and sacrificed them to Yahweh on a rock he used on the altar while Manoah and his wife watched. The Lord did something miraculous as the flame went up toward heaven on the altar. The messenger of Yahweh went up in the flame. When Manoah and his wife saw this, they immediately bowed with their face touching the ground. And then it goes on to say um, that at the end, it says, we will they, they go, we'll certainly die because we've seen Elohim. Um, so I think it, I think in the end, uh, you know, those are things to investigate on your own to see if you can see these patterns of, of these mountaintop moments and, uh, multilingual events, clouds, fire, the voice of God, the spirit being sent. Um, right. And the point of that grain offering is that's what would be offered at Feast of Weeks. Yeah. Yeah. And the point is really, I think, is that, that today it's easy to look at the New Testament church. And I've, stu you know, I spent so much time studying Acts, Acts specifically Acts 2 and Pentecost. And, and then when I started understanding that that, um, that was his church on Mount Sinai, and, and that's, that, was, that was his congregation and his church all along. And the way they behave and the way they act is the same way really that you see in Acts 2. It's not, it's the, you know, a lot of the behaviors and, and then you go on and look at the book of Galatians and some of the things they dealt with and, you know, the witchcraft and, and all the just craziness that, that, the, that they had brought in and to the congregations that they were in. And they had a lot of baggage and a lot of junk that they had to kind of work through. And, and, uh, and that's the way this mixed multitude was when they came out of Egypt. It was messy. You know, they, they had learned the ways of Egypt, and uh, they had forgotten the things that, that, that God had commanded them to do. And, uh, and so I, I think when I started realizing that the people at Mount Sinai were the same as Acts 2, um, that, that made me, under, that just helped me make a connection to, to, to both of these people in ways I hadn't connected with before. I don't know if that makes sense. But. Yeah, you know, one thing that really strikes me when hearing you guys uh, talk about this is the sort of uh, one of the central features of Judaism and the feasts and uh, many of the rituals thereof and others is a real uh, focus on remembrance. I mean, rem rem remembering the things that God did. Uh, and, you know, it's a little different in sort of the American evangelical context because it is very, you know, the Now Testament, the, the 
we are the new church the you know this is the current thing that god is doing and it you know i'm sure it's a kind of a mixture between uh just the just sort of general attitude of of modern culture uh but it runs sort of counter to the focus of uh, the the Old Testament church, like you guys are mentioning, this uh, human beings notoriously forgetful, even <laughs> even in the Bible, you know, the, the horror stories of when God's people forget something, forget what He said, forget what He did, forget what they've been through, forget the the mistakes of the past and or forget the victories of the past all these things you know the the real focus on remembrance uh i think there's a lot to learn there uh for i will say americans but i will also just say kind of just the modern church in general no matter where you are um again at least from my experience growing up in the the uh, the traditions that I did, it was very much like, yeah, but God's doing a new thing. He's doing a new thing. He's doing a new thing in you, brother. He's doing a new thing in me. He's doing a new thing in this church. It's all new. It's brand spanking new. Uh, and it's funny because the Old Testament and uh, and more really hammer home this point. Like, don't forget what was done. Don't forget what was said. And so I think it is extremely valuable in, in that, uh, you know, perhaps holding the feasts currently are not necessarily a salvifical issue, but we've certainly been warned enough about what happens when we forget uh, our interactions with God in the past. And I think looking at the trajectory of a lot of people of faith nowadays it's forgetting things that leads to a loss of faith or it's forgetting what god said or forgetting the promises or forgetting parts of your life when you know maybe faith had a different texture to it uh and you get so caught up in whatever life is now that it doesn't occupy uh, your attention as as much as it did or as much as it should. Yeah, and, and, and something you were saying there, I, I, I think something that has also happened to us is uh, this evolutionary kind of idea. And I think we, we, we and some of us, to a certain extent, all of us have probably bought into an evolutionary kind of mindset where we believe that through time, humans are getting better. And, you know, and I'm afraid that that's not correct. You know, it's, it's, I wished we could say that. Probably but the opposite. <laughs> I'm afraid sometimes it's the opposite. And, mm. and so I think it's easy to look at us today and go, man, we were so much better off than we are. But then I look at the world and I look at churches today and I look at the people. I look at the people I interact with and I go, are, are we different? Are we really different? It seems like we're still dealing with most of the same kind of issues that they dealt with before. And, um, and so that, that's kind of, you know, where I started realizing that, uh, you know, that, um, you know, that's, that's how I started having these parallels of, of that I relate to the, to the people, uh, and realize that they're part of the, they were 
part us. of a church. They're yeah. us. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting, too, to kind of watch culture. There's an interesting shift going on where uh, specifically in the younger generations, in the Gen Z, where, you know, we have so much rejection of traditionalism and such an embrace of, you know, I don't age. mean... <laughs> I don't mean this in a political way, but just sort of progressivism, just like whatever the next thing is. And that right. could be economically or culturally or, or whatever the trend is or uh, NyQuil chicken, NyQuil <laughs> chicken. Look it up, folks. It's a thing. Tide Pods, NyQuil <laughs> chicken. Uh, but also the obsession with freedom of self and how that manifests you know, culturally, in in style, and sexuality, and gender identity, and uh, career choices, in politics, and everything. Uh, there's a very interesting trend. It's a slight trend, but it is happening. This sort of return to traditionalism, because it used to be a joke, and now it's not so much a joke. If you really want to be counterculture nowadays. You don't dye your hair blue and get a nose ring and, and uh, you know, whatever. Go live in a warehouse. No, <laughs> if you want to counterculture, you go to church and you raise a raise family, a family with traditional right. family values. And uh, we're in this very interesting time when the rediscovery of the value of tradition uh, you know, what that can bring to your life spiritually or, or fulfill meaning or something that can't be found in the sort of glitz and glam of, of uh, modern culture. But this parallels exactly what we're sort of reminded of in the feasts, specifically. Remembering the mistakes of past humans, remembering the victories of uh, the intercession of our God, the, uh, the, the precise idea that you're saying here is they are us. We are not very different from them. And you can see, you know, they almost go through their own version of whatever name us any cultural sort of movement right now. They've gone through a version of it. Uh, and it tends to be what we find is that remembering the past is what has sustained, uh, you know, the, if, if nothing, even to just put it in the secular terms, like has sustained meaning in life, has sustained some sort of spiritual fulfillment or, or fulfillment within a spiritual journey or, or life or something like that. And these things are coming back, man. They're trendy. I'm telling you what, it's not going to be long before um, there is a real sort of resurgence. And I think recognizing that it's always been that way, that return to traditionalism is not just some sort of trend, uh, you know, or something like that, that it is the way to sort of re-examine what the world looks like and how we should be living. 
It's, right. Uh, and, we, and yet we see a trend back to, <laughs> like through, throughout culture, throughout, you know, uh, generations, you see a trend back to tradition. And it's, I think it's similar to the idea of the pendulum or the rubber band snapping back. Uh, right. Those kind of ideas with culture where it, it just gets so crazy. And then uh, it's, it's like uh, when you see the most... Uh, the most converts to to biblical thinking is under tumult and chaos. You know, it's uh, usually it it uh, smelts into pure silver. You know, is kind of how it works out. Mm, yeah. What were you getting at there, Chris? I was I was gonna say that uh, it's it's interesting to uh, that it's kind of the conversation has moved to this emphasis on. Uh, remembering because um in the hebrew uh conception of the idea of remembrance and the guys might be familiar with this uh it is it's not a mental uh exercise but it is actually uh, a practical one when god is talking about uh remembering um and uh in the jewish mind their remembering has to do with doing it's not uh, a thought exercise but as you're remembering you are actually putting into practice um and i just kind of thought it was interesting as we were talking about the observance of these uh holy days and then uh basil as you were kind of making the point there about remembrance being uh, such an important component of those uh that really uh the talk about remembering actually uh, could almost be interchanged with uh, continue to practice, continue to do these things. Um, and what's even really uh, kind of interesting, too, in, in a whole nother way, is that the Greek uh, word for it, and like when Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me, now obviously he's speaking Aramaic, you know, uh, when he's when he's saying that and closely tied to, to the Hebrew, but as it's recorded um, in uh, the Greek, it, it's the word is anamnesis, and uh, it is if etymologically, uh, Basil knows how much I love etymology. It's uh, uh, it's the mom, he loves bugs. It's the, <laughs> that's right. It's the uh, negation uh, at the beginning, an, and then amnesis. Of course, where we get our word amnesia, which is to forget. And in remembrance, there in the Greek is actually not to call something back into your mind that you had forgotten about. And that's how we usually think about remembering. Oh, I forgot about this, and now I'm thinking about it again. I'm remembering it. But uh, if you look at the etymology there in, in the Greek, and etymology doesn't always isn't always directly tied to meaning, but there usually is some kind of association between uh, the word construction and its meaning. But there, it's it's not recall back to your mind this thing you've forgotten, but it's actually do not forget. Um, and it's just kind of interesting as as you were thinking as you were talking about that. I was thinking about these different, like kind of the Hebrew conception of. Uh, remembrance and, and that's putting into practice and then even uh, kind of more of a western sort of greek uh, thought could be uh, something more akin to don't forget about this uh, and that is the idea of these repetitions of these yearly uh, you know events and um, you know you kind of get you get a little bit of that in the book of hebrews and 
uh, some commentary there. But uh, yeah, I mean that's kind of that's kind of what I was mulling over here uh, as I was listening to you guys talk. So I think that's um, a good point. The the don't forget it has more action related to it. But uh, similarly, like in the Hebrew for remember when he's saying remember the Sabbath, it's a an action to guard the Sabbath, um, mm-hmm. and so. Uh, that kind of supports like what you were saying it's it's an action to guard yeah it shouldn't be thought of as a as a mental exercise it is it is something that you do remembrance is uh you know a doing a doing it's an action word right and like when he says uh hero israel uh the shema he's saying listen and do it's they're connected you can't, yeah, the, you can't yes, listening and hearing right. yes are also directly tied to action uh, that if you have heard something uh, then you're doing it uh, you can't if, if you're not doing it then you didn't hear um, it's the same with belief yeah, right it's the same way yeah right. yeah so that's fun you guys have that's you can you know that's that's more support for uh, your uh, belief to that we should continue to practice uh, these feast days yeah um, i'm wondering i mean do you guys have do you build do you build uh you know tents in your backyard or yeah you know do you you stay back in there for a week yeah we do it's actually it's coming up and i cannot wait it's my it's like my favorite time of year yeah yeah, yeah i hear that it is for uh for everyone in israel as well um it's it's quite fun i mean you know a week-long uh camping trip in your backyard is pretty that's pretty fun yeah yeah. Like yeah yeah yeah, have to come over and crash your tent or something. Yeah. yeah which one is this, You're welcome which one's, to. Which one is the tent one? Uh, I am very tenty. This is Tabernacles. Jake. Tabernacles. No, Jake. no. The oh, yeah. Feast, <laughs> I think he's saying. Tabernacles, yeah. <laughs> what is Feast of Booths? Is, That's the same thing, yeah. Something? Same. Same thing. Booths yeah. is tabernacles okay yeah. yep yeah and then uh, it, you know a side note on that is you know go look up i'm sure you've studied before about the greater exodus you know and their scripture talks about how there's going to be a greater exodus one day that will make the first exodus look like nothing and we won't even talk about it anymore and so i believe there is a direct connection between and the reason that i feel like it's it's still something we should practice because there is going to be a greater exodus again it's going to happen again and, uh, you know, we might have to live in a tent. And so that's that's kind of part of the thinking behind it, too. Oh, you practice. You're practicing camping. It's practice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's mm-hmm. like prepper. Kind yeah. of. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> being ready. Yeah. You better get used to it before you have to do it. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, wow, so fun. Well, is this the kind of stuff that you guys explore on Sabbath Lounge? Yes, yes, yep, it is. This, this, and more. So, if you it, want in-depth, you know, discussion about that kind of thing, that's that's what we talk about. Look, I'm telling you, it takes a very special person to 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 dig in as deep as one must. Uh, and I will tell you, from the experiences that I've had looking into this stuff, it just keeps going. It does not stop. There is. Uh, an an endless amount of connections to be made remembrances to remember uh the 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 path set out for someone who is uh passionate and ready and willing to dig into uh all that the sort of hebrew roots of the christian faith have 
uh, for the willing is really incredible. So uh, you guys definitely have my uh, my support and my admiration uh, for for doing what you do. Uh, definitely going to be checking out. You know, the fun thing about your podcast is it's so reasonable compared to even my own work. I mean, some of these episodes, you got nice little 15 minute episodes, little lessons, little bite sized little guys. So you don't, you know, you can just get a nice, nice little 20 minute lesson in and, uh, and then say la, baby, let it, let it, uh, let it breathe a little bit. Yeah, that's right. That's a good way to put it. We appreciate that. And, and just like years with Ravel, you know, it's got this, uh, how would you describe the logo? When I look at it, it's this complicated, ball and it makes me think of you know all the connections and you know that we have and it's like you uncover one thing over here only to find that it's connected to a string over here that's connected to a string and it's like the more you study and the more you uncover the the, the more um you, you know you just realize a you don't know everything and you will never yeah. know everything and that everything is connected and and everything uh, you know, from the physical to the spiritual, it's, it, it is all connected in some way. And, um, and so I enjoy what you guys do and encourage everybody to check out more episodes of Ravel and uh, the discussions and the, and the guests that they have on in the future. And, uh, but we, we're just so blessed and honored uh, that you ask us to be a part of your show. Yeah, uh, and, you, yeah. and you had asked uh, uh, what kind of things we liked about the the Pentecost episode, and one of the things I thought was real uh, was real good was the way that you guys discussed the different sides of that argument, and the way uh, uh, you really presented uh, your respective sides very well and uh, very uh, maturely. And <laughs> I think uh, that's hard to find nowadays, but uh, I, I just like that you were able to show both sides of that and. And you came, you didn't just, uh, it wasn't just fluff, you know, you had some backing to what you were saying. He cursed me out as soon as we stopped recording. So uh, (laughs) (laughs) he was, he was speaking in tongues, you could say. Go to to Patreon, you get all of our arguments, Uh, posts, our our fight club that we have after every episode. Yeah, I want to say, Matt, that was a real good, uh, that was a real good take on the logo. Um, That was uh, indeed exactly, uh, you know, what we were kind of thinking as we uh, put that together. Um, And I guess it communicates. So uh, either you're, you're quite perceptive or it was, you know, a good, a good design or perhaps both. Um, And uh, we should have, we should have trademarked it, Basil. So good. (laughs) So good that if hypothetically there was another podcast by the same name it would be so tempting for them to replicate that logo in some way oh um, that so you guys one one thing and i don't mean to extend this here but this um this hit me pretty hard actually just kind of scrolling through the sabbath lounge uh, episode list here you know there could be someone out there who might respond with something like, wow, that's a lot of stuff. It's a lot of, you know, a lot of learning involved, a lot of connections to be made. And, you know, I'm not just not so sure I have it in me. Uh, it's not a, 
It doesn't seem to be a salvifical issue. I'm sure that's, uh, you know, God will be okay if I if I don't necessarily devote my life to, you know, the, the, the Hebrew roots of, of the Christian faith. But every time I come in contact with this kind of exploration, it introduces, if not new dimensions or new facets of faith or new, um, you know, n new, it could just be knowledge or, you know, if it's not that, it is undeniably presents a, a depth dimension, a new depth dimension to the faith and to life and to uh, traditions and to the history of Christianity and to uh, God's ongoing struggle to connect with us uh, when, as we try to avoid that as often as possible. Um, if it does not add new, new dimensions to life, it adds a depth to your faith that uh, is hard to get in other places. I mean, it truly is, is uh, reminiscent of sort of diving into the deep end of the pool uh, and it just keeps going, just keeps going. You got to be an adventurous soul, really, to, to, to keep going as deep as you possibly can. Uh, and that I do appreciate about what you guys are doing. Yeah, I would I would just echo that, too. Um, it is really, really cool um, that you guys, as we were talking before the show, you know, you're just uh, a couple of normal, normal dudes, just a couple of laymen um, who, um, you know, have a real heart to. That's our word, Chris. What's which is that? Layman. You oh. can't say layman unless you are a layman. Oh, all right. Well, I don't. I don't know how else to describe <laughs> you then. But uh, ivory uh, tower. Uh, yeah. Well, that's. I mean, that's part of the. That's part of the thing. You know, is that. Uh, I. You know, one of the only reasons I decided that I wanted to start. Uh, you know, podcasting or whatever was because I was gaining all this information in school and. Uh, at the time had you know few outlets uh to share it and i just kind of wanted to get out there uh and share it with people um but you know you guys you're doing you know really the same work uh you're you're interested in the word and that was kind of what initially even afforded me the opportunity to go to school was because i was self-motivated to study and somebody else saw that and they sent me um if you know the people who know my testimony I, it was not something i uh, went out and pursued but it was something you know someone else recognized me and then afforded me the opportunity and um it's i'm just extremely uh, fortunate that such was the case but uh you guys you know you're doing the same work and i just think it's really cool i like it's my job <laughs> to do it and you guys do it because you love it you do it uh for fun and uh because you love the lord and because you love his word and that's so encouraging and especially as a pastor and as a professor and you know you see sometimes and you just wish that your congregation and that your students were people who were so interested and so on fire uh for the lord and for his word that they would commit hours of their own free time after work 
you know, to study these things. So I just really, uh, I think it's incredible uh, what you guys are doing. I think it's really cool. You're offering a great service to the body, to God's people. Um, and I hope that everybody, uh, you know, uh, gives you guys a listen and, and uh, participates uh, in what you're doing out there. So I just want to say thank you uh, and keep up the good work, guys. We really appreciate uh, what you said there. It's, a, you know, humbling and gr very gracious of you. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we, that's all it is, you know, we just, uh, uh, that's what we're interested in is trying to do the will of the Father and, uh, you know, walk, in, walk like Yeshua did. And, you know, we, we don't want to be uh, lukewarm, as it were. And, uh, you know, when, when Messiah goes to the crowd and gives a hard teaching and people walk away, he doesn't chase them. And uh, he just lets them go. So, uh, and then he says the same to his, his disciples, you know, you're going to leave too? Where else could we go? And we want to be the people that have nowhere else to go. Yeah. Amen. Love it. For those who want to uh, listen to the podcast or see what you guys got going on, why don't you uh, tell everybody how to learn more about what you're doing? Yes, sir. Uh, the best way is if you just Google Sabbath Lounge, you'll find us. And so uh, somehow the algorithms worked in our favor. And uh, right now, if you just Google it, uh, we have TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, uh, probably every podcast platform known to man, um, and, and a YouTube channel. And the YouTube, sometimes we'll have visuals of some of the things that we talk about, and we have playlists there. And But uh, just Google Sabbath Lounge, and, and you'll find us. Yep. And uh, just for the record, the TikTok does not have us cooking chicken in Hyquil. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, if you want to make it to the top that's of the how charts. We, we, that's why we need more viewers. We need to start with the NyQuil situation. Maybe so. Pretty sure it's strictly forbidden in Torah law not to cook <laughs> say, a chicken in uh, Oh, that's NyQuil. right. In <laughs> NyQuil. Yeah. Uh, that's what youth pastors really have to teach the rest of us is you can make a a visual sermon you can make a sermon out of any TikTok trend i think that is a valuable skill for uh youth pastors of today and i admire that and hope to uh one of these days i will find the theology of cooking chicken and nyquil uh i missed the boat on the tide pod sermon so i'm <laughs> i'm committed to keeping up with the youngsters all right, everybody, make sure to check out Sabbath Lounge. You can lounge. You can find it everywhere. Uh, and while you're at it, go ahead and uh, send us a, send us an email. You can email us. Tell us how much you appreciated the Sabbath Lounge episode. You can ask questions that maybe didn't get answered on all this. That's what these guys did. Matt and Jake from Sabbath Lounge sent us an email at contact at ravelpodcast.com. That's contact at ravelpodcast.com. And uh, while you're at it, Matt and Jake have already told me, committed, promised to go leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. And I said, God bless you. God bless yes, you, very yes. gentlemen. Uh, so they're going to go do that. And if you want right. to be cool like them, go leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Matt, Jake, Sabbath Lounge, thank you guys so much. 
Thank you. Thank you. We appreciate it. And it was an honor to talk to you gentlemen. And uh, we look forward uh, to hearing more about Ravel and more of the things you do there as well. You betcha. And Chris, I don't think anybody is ready to turn this podcast off until you uh, give us some last words. Godspeed and shalom. Ooh. Ooh, doubling up. Okay. <laughs> you never know what to expect. Oh, that's good. You tricky, tricky guy. All right. 